Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. Today is the day. It is the 18th day of December, which apparently, according to everyone's calendar, means we have one week left before Christmas. And um, I have to tell you that that might have sent a, a slight uh, <clears throat> rush of panic through me. I'm not quite slight? ready. Okay, slight. I know. There slight? Might have been some hyper, there might have been some hyperventilating during the break. <laughs> Bill, there was more than a little hyperventilating. <laughs> she, was just, she was just continuously talking. <laughs> Because she had so much emotion and stress to get out. I mean, I was thinking we should have gotten her a bag. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. I know know it's radio, so you can't actually see that my... I'm holding my forehead in my hand. Like, I... Yeah. When my eyes are closed, yes. Baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um... I need to tell people about a few headlines before Bill English and I jump into our conversation about investing in those who are different than ourselves... Um, a couple of things going on across the country and around the world that you might want to know about today. Um, one one news item that um, that I don't want you to miss. It's a really important deadline this week in the U.S. Congress uh, to renew funding for um, what's called USERIF. It's the U.S. International uh, Commission on International Religious Freedom. If you remember Andrew Brunson, if you remember all the praying we did for the release of that Presbyterian pastor from that Turkish prison. Um, It was this organization, this U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom that ultimately won his release uh, in, you know, in cooperation with the U.S. State Department and members of uh, of the House and the Senate and certainly advocacy by the Trump administration. Um, But you see, Yusserif is is advocating around the world right now for the release of those who are incarcerated for religious reasons. And Yusserif's funding runs out uh, in two days. And so this would be a high priority, even in the midst of all of the impeachment madness going on uh, this week in Washington. There's also a Texas judge. Here's a religious liberty story that I think we're going to want to follow. A Texas judge is actually now suing the state commission that has sanctioned her for her refusal to perform a same-sex wedding um, because she says that, you know, she did so on religious grounds. That will be an interesting story to follow. Um, I promise you we will do that. Pew has re- has released some research today that says that the United States now leads the world in the rate of children living in single-parent households. You might be among those. Um, you certainly may know uh, – well, you certainly do know uh, a family that is raising children uh, as a single mom or a single dad. Out of 130 countries and territories, the United States now leads in what even Pew describes as a tragic statistic – Almost a quarter of the children in America live with a single parent. That is far above other countries. Um, and then you, uh, if, you, if you're a Christian and you are on pretty much anybody's uh, email distribution list, you already know that net- Netflix is sort of uh, in the crosshairs of Christians this Christmas. Netflix has a Christmas comedy uh, special that features a gay Jesus and a pot-smoking Mary. Um, now, 
Uh, Christians are upset about that. That is a horrible misrepresentation of Jesus. It is just a gross misrepresentation um, of of who of who he is. But Netflix and the producers of the program and the actor who portrays uh, Jesus's gay friend um, are responding instead by charging those of us who have lodged these complaints. Uh, they're charging us as being homophobic. That is a conversation that we will um, that we will have sometime later this week. I just don't know exactly when nor with whom. Right now, I'm going to talk with Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com about investing in those who are different than ourselves. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now uh, again is Bill English from BibleInBusiness.com. Welcome back, sir. Hey, good to be back. How are you doing? I'm well. Well. <laughs> as well as you can be a week before Christmas and where 19 people are going to yeah. descend on your house. Yeah, I, I clearly have a growing anxiety about you do. <laughs> what's happening. You do. You, maybe we should. Maybe we should just pray for no. this girl on the air, right? You know. Sure, go right ahead. <laughs> I, I received that. You brought it up. Oh, I brought, you brought it, up. it up, man. You offered. all right? Go. All right, let's go. Uh, Lord, we ask right now that you would uh, bless Carmen and her husband and the family and all that has left to be done. That you would make it work out in such a way that you get the glory and the honor, and that everyone knows that they are loved and accepted by you. In your name, Amen. 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 Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so when I go to visit BibleInBusiness.com, yes, I encounter um, uh, an article entitled "Investing Ourselves in Those Who Are Not Like Us." Yep. Um, uh, in order to do that, I'm going to have to know some people who are not like me. Uh, that's not necessarily hard to find, but figuring out how to invest in them is sometimes challenging. So, talk with us about um, about this uh, about this piece and this strategy. Well, the strategy is is very simple. We make friends with people who are not like us and not just cursory friends like, you know, oh, I kind of know them. And, you know, we really invest in a, a, a good friendship with people who believe differently than us. I'm not talking politically here, I'm talking religiously and uh, and people who just simply don't believe the same things we believe and we get to know them and we let them get to know us. Now, this should be fairly simple because most people in the culture today, most, most people, most people in your house, most people in your neighborhood, most people you work with, most people you encounter everywhere all the time do not believe as you believe. Like this should be simple to do. It should be easy for me to find, uh, identify people who do not share my worldview I think what's challenging, Bill, is it's so much easier just to make a friend who does share my worldview um, and, you know, sort of stay in my own tribe than it is to figure out how to become a friend of a person outside of that um, way of thinking. Well, I, I don't think anybody would argue that we like to be with our own kind, right? Whether it's racially, religiously, politically, regardless of what it is, uh, all of us tend to want to be with people who are like us and who we are like them. Uh, The hard part is reaching out and establishing relationships uh, where uh, they're not like you. 
and they don't have the same belief system and they don't have uh, the same values that, that you might have. And, but that is exactly what I think God calls us to do in terms of us being light and salt in this earth. We are called to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of those who are like us, not to abandon those who are like us, but to also invest in those who are not like us. All right. So I want to then dig into this article because um, you actually had this. I mean, this, these experiences have been confirmation of yes. the faith. They yes. have not been destructive to your faith. Correct. So let's just talk about belief number one. We don't go to heaven because we are good people. We go to heaven because we accept Christ as our Savior and Lord. Yeah, I, I, I am surprised at how many people, how many Christians will get on the you're wrong bandwagon and preach to those who are living in sin and saying, because you are living in sin, because you are living with a woman that is not your wife, because you are in a homosexual relationship, because you are greedy and you're taking money from people whom you shouldn't be taking it from, because of those things, you're going to go to hell. And that is clearly not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that the reason we go to heaven is because we accept Christ as our Savior and Lord. And the reason we go to hell is because we don't. And it's really that simple. And the, the outgrowth of that, what that looks like, might be a life filled with sin. But who of us didn't have a life filled with sin before we came to Christ? And after we came to Christ, who of us hasn't had a journey of sanctification where sin is, is sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly being eradicated from our lives? No, you go to heaven because you accept Christ. You go to hell because you don't. Talk about that um, in in the relationship that you um, that you describe uh, this friend that you have, um, who really has been rejected yeah, by Christians has. by Christians mm-hmm. um, because of some choices that he has made in his life. Um, talk, talk about that. Yeah, he's he's transgendered. Uh, he, it's a growing friendship that I have. It's a professional relationship, uh, and but it's it's going to eventually grow into a personal friendship, I believe. Uh, this gentleman has um, probably uh, twenty to thirty uh, years of friendships with Christians, and once he came out and started to dress like a woman and started to do some other things that were. Um, uh, gender confusing, I think, to his to his friends. A number of them just preached to him and told him that he was wrong. He was going to go to hell, and then they just cut off. I mean, they 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 cut off from this guy, uh, and um, it really came across to me that uh, I'll I'll say it's it's a her her Christian friends acted as if for them to be faithful to God, they had to draw the line, dissociate themselves as in, in their attempt to convince her of her sin. <clears throat> now, her sin, I think, is a bridge too far for a lot of Christians to go. But at the same time, how in the world are, how, how is she going to receive that? How in the world is she going to come to Christ? Right. I mean, if we burn the bridge, we right, which bridge. is essentially what you're saying, like, right, okay, so she has crossed a bridge that Christians would absolutely recognize as a, a, a deep act of confusion, Acting on a deep confusion at a minimum, um, yeah, at a minimum to to be living now as something that is not God's best. Let's just describe it that way, right? And that's where that's the way she's currently living. 
and for Christians to then burn the bridge across which she would ever have to return. Like, right. I mean, right. <laughs> this, is, this doesn't make any sense. Right. And that's what I mean, I think that's what you're saying is that, you know, friendship um, has to be able to transcend the bad decisions my friends make. It does not mean that I um, affirm what they are doing. It does mean that I continue to offer my friendship. They know who I am. They know where I stand. They know it's unyielding. Um, but I ought to be um, I, I ought to be an anchor to whom they can return, you know, if and when God so calls them and they so respond. Isn't it Romans 2, after God has given them over to their sin, that it says that knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? That's exactly right. You know, isn't yeah. isn't it the kindness and love that brings them back, not the preaching and the cutting off and the establishing of a moral boundary? Look, I'm not trying to say that there aren't moral boundaries. I'm not trying to say that we give up what we believe. But for heaven's sakes, if we cut off from those who are not like us, then we are not going to be salt and light, and we will never be effective in bringing uh, the loss to Jesus Christ. It just won't happen. All right, Bill English and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. The article is posted at com. It's entitled, Investing in Those Who Are Different Than Ourselves. We'll be right back. Okay, it's hard to be salt and light um, if you're sticking it inside a box. And so when Jesus talks about not putting your light under a bushel basket, when he talks about being the salt of the world, he's actually giving us these uh, these indications that the authentic Christian lives out the Christian faith in the context of an unbelieving world and makes friends, actually you know, establishes relationships um, uh, with people who do not agree with us. Like this is actually, by the way, how evangelism eventually works. So how the word of God gets out into the world that he so loves through people like you and me. Talking now with Bill English about how we invest in those who are different than ourselves. Bill, let's pick up um, the conversation where we left it off. I-, I think that one of the great challenges we face is just frankly how hard it is to uh, to develop a real friendship with somebody who believes things that are just diametrically oppo- opposed to what we believe. It's hard to be in those kind of relationships because they are they get messy. You're going to have points, <clears throat> what I call clash points, in those friendships where you believe one thing, your friend believes something else, and there has to be some maturity there where you agree to disagree and you look past that so that you can have a friendship. One of my best friends on this face of this earth is a strong Catholic. And early on, he and I agreed that the things that divide us are less than the things that unite us. And the thing, the one person that unites he and I is Jesus Christ. He believes in Christ. He believes that Christ has saved him from his sins. That's where his trust is. That's where my trust is. So the differences that that uh, uh, divide us, so to speak, or or between Christians and or evangelicals anyways and Catholics, uh, we decided to put those aside. And we can talk about them, but we talk about them in a way where we're educating each other in what we believe, but we're not trying to convince each other that the other is right. Instead, we focus on what unites us. And that has led to a very wonderful friendship. Uh, and uh, I love this man dearly. And and uh, that's the way I handle that messiness, right? You have to be able to talk about it up front. 
So with my transgendered friend, at some point, we're going to have to talk about his transgenderedness, my straightness, and we're going to have to educate ourselves a little bit about that and look past that so that we can have a friendship. And at the most basic level, part of that is just not being afraid of that other person. Right. Um, and not being afraid that, you know, ugh, that's catching. Like, right? It's not catching. I mean, a, a foreign faith is not catching to me. Um, uh, a way of approaching life that is denigrating to the physical body is not, I mean, that's not catching. It's not, I don't have a temptation toward that. I'm not, um, there's nothing about that that I find attractive into which I'm going to be drawn. Um, and so uh, on the flip side, I want the way that I'm wearing the faith. Um, I want the way that I am walking the faith out into the world to be a beautiful demonstration of the gospel, something that's winsome, something that other people would be attracted to. Like, you know, I don't really know that everybody wants to be my friend. I get that because I think a lot of people would think that'd just be exhausting. Um, but um, but the truth of the matter is there's nobody about whom I'm not interested, uh, uh, you know, about whose eternal uh, life I'm not interested and desirous that they would be spending it where I'm going to be spending it in the company of Jesus Christ. And so if that's my heart's desire then it's not about me and how I'm different than the people who I encounter in the world and whatever their particular sin proclivity is, because I have mine too. Um, it's all about whether or not we are, our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith, if our hearts are set on heaven um, versus the things of this world. And so I think if we can get to some common ground points with other people, even people who, with whom we share seemingly nothing other than you know physical space, um, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I find it pretty easy to strike up conversations with total strangers because we are inhabiting the same physical space at a certain point in time. And all I have to do is point something out that we're both sharing and say, you know, and, and use that as the common ground upon which the conversation can start. You know, you're more of an extrovert than I am. <laughs> I have a little bit harder time on that point. <laughs> but but, so, but your so point I'm is actually, well taken. Your, your, so, your, your point is well taken. Well, and I'm actually an introvert. It's exhausting for me, but I'm committed to doing it. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my. I'm, committed to do, I'm just committed to doing it. Look, um, the reason Jesus was able to sit with sinners and have dinner with them is because he was a likable guy and because he was able to look past their sin and saw into their hearts and was able to love them where they were. And that's what we need to do with people who are not like us. Amen. I like point number four. Don't be surprised if you don't find yourself liking your new friend and don't be surprised if they are surprised that you're a Christian who seems to be, who seems to like being with them. Um, all right, the article, the piece is just fantastic. I really want to send people. It's just so, such provocative conversational fodder, um, not only for this time of year, but really for every day. You can find it at BibleAndBusiness.com, investing ourselves in those who are not like us. Bill English, thank you so much, and Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you, and may in 2020, both you and I make one new good friend who isn't like us. Amen. We'll be right back. Okay, so um, Pastor Daryl Crouch is going to come back and visit with us, and we're going to talk about grief. Um, this initially sort of started out as uh, Paul and I musing about 
um, congregations across the country that might be offering some kind of blue Christmas service, an opportunity for people to acknowledge the reality of grief at this time of year. And we've kind of expanded the, the conversation. And Pastor Crouch is going to be here. We're going to talk about mourning and loss and Christmas joy. Uh, and we're going to talk about um, specific categories of grieving individuals to whom we might reach out in this Christmas season, including um, those who are widowers, uh, men who have lost their wives. It tends to be a group of people that needs a particular level of outreach this time of year. So that conversation is is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Who will love me? I feel so old, unloved, unwanted, abandoned. I just want to cry and sleep forever. This is Max Locato. It's a cry. Can you hear it? The divorced, the abandoned child, the one-night stand, the silent phone, cries of loneliness. The most gut-wrenching cry of loneliness in history did not come from a widow or a patient. It came from a hill, from a cross, from a Messiah. My God, my God, Jesus screamed, why did you abandon me? I think of all the people who cast despairing eyes toward the dark heavens and cry, Why? I imagine him listening. I picture his eyes misting and a pierced hand brushing away a tear. He may offer no answer. He may solve no dilemma. But he who also was once alone understands. This is Max Lucado. Joining me now uh, is Pastor Daryl Crouch, pastor of the Green Hill Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Um, You can find uh, some of the articles that we're going to be talking about today at crosstide.org. That's crosstide.org. Daryl, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Carmen. I I appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely. So um, this is a busy time for all pastors. Your church is located in the small town of Mount Juliet, most people listening um, are not aware of what happened in Mount Juliet on Saturday. Um, like most little towns across America, or like many little towns across America, Mount Juliet um, had a Christmas parade. And in that Christmas parade, if you live in Middle Tennessee, <clears throat> lots of pickup trucks driving, uh, pulling lots of trailers and on those trailers decorations and lots of kids. Um, talk with us about what happened on Saturday in Mount Juliet. Um, and then how the community is responding. Yeah, a young seven-year-old boy was uh, on one of those trailers. Uh, His dad was actually pulling that trailer. And uh, in the staging area after the parade, um, it was congested and so on with traffic. And and the young man uh, just uh, fell from the trailer and was was killed um, as the, the cars were being, or the trucks were being maneuvered around. And so it was just a a tragic day, a tragic day for that dear family and uh, so many of the young kids that were close by and uh, families that are walking through that. And our our, our community is a wonderful place. And um, so there's been inc- incredible outpouring of support and encouragement and prayer and um, uh, financial giving and uh, all the rest to come around this family, this young uh, a young man attended the elementary school just down the street from our church. And so there's just much ministry that's going on uh, to the family and to the school and, and to our community right now. When we talk about bearing the weight of grief and loss, um, 
Christmas is a really, really hard time for a lot of people. You and I have a lot of friends who are grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and if, if everybody else would just be, um, would pause long enough to really look at the people around us, it doesn't matter where we are. At any given moment right now, there is a person in grief in proximity to where we're standing or sitting. Um, and so talk with us about how we as Christians um, need to tend to our own grief at this time of year, but also be tender toward the grief of others. No, I think it's really good, and I, I think it's a really good question. The holidays don't change the reality of what people are going through and the experiences that people are having, and uh, death is uh, a constant reminder of that, and people pass away during the holidays. People are experiencing grief um, through the holidays, maybe for the very first time with a loved one that's just recently passed away, someone that's very close to them. And so they're having to navigate um, fun and celebration of Jesus and the birth of Jesus and um, all that goes with that in the midst of being um, just really crushed on the inside. And, and, you know, I think there's some hopefulness that sometimes we think that uh, grief is um, a reflection of uh, maybe a lack of faith or that we should just suck it up somehow. But but lament is a, a really natural part of the human experience. And, and it's a real biblical response to to to, to sorrow or to, to passing and to death and to tragedy and to difficulty. And the Psalms are full of, of, uh, of expressions of grief and lament, um, not without a trust in God, but nevertheless, uh, we are, um, we have feet of clay and we're, we're earthy. And so death comes to us. And even Jesus wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. And and so I think uh, the first thing I would encourage folks is that that your sorrow and your grief does not is not an indication of a lack of faith or a lack of trust in God, that um, that sorrow is a part of the Christian experience. It's a part of the human experience. And um, as as folks walk into this season, they're going to have moments of, of laughter and fun with their family. But they're also in maybe in the next moment have um uh, a time of grief and sorrow, maybe uh, a memory come you know comes to mind or they smell something that reminds them of someone they lost and um, or an experience they had at uh, last Christmas that they won't have this Christmas. So I, I think folks um, need to be encouraged that this is a really healthy part of the Christian life and a part of the human experience. So if uh, if friends want to read um, some of what Daryl has written on this topic, uh, he has a piece posted at crosstide.org entitled Loss, Mourning, and Christmas Joy that I would um, I'd highly recommend. Um, in here, you talk about grieving without guilt, expecting there to be tears and laughter, um, and then you focus on telling yourself the truth. It occurs to me that I have had lots of conversations lately um, after people have been, you know, they've been sharing even, let's say, suicidal ideation. And I mean, a part of what I, I have just felt compelled to just directly say to people is those are lies. The, mm-hmm. the liar is lying to you. And, and we have to confront the lies of the liar with the truth. Talk about telling ourselves yeah. the truth. Yeah, no, that's huge. And I think in, as much as lament is a natural part of our lives, uh, it doesn't need to define our lives. 
And so as we tell ourselves the truth, my, my point there is that loss and loneliness and can can begin to lie to us. And uh, we sit in a dark room or, or maybe late at night in, in our uh, as we're trying to go to sleep and um, and the darkness kind of um, uh, crowds in on us in a way that begins to deceive us. We think of Elijah, you know, in, in the, the depressive kind of state that he was in under that uh, juniper tree. And I, I think um, sometimes the loneliness and the loss can uh, begin to, to convince us that God has forgotten us, that we are lost to him. And um, so I think it's important that we come back to the truth and preach the gospel to ourselves, that we are made in the image of God, that that he has designed our lives and he has marked our days and he has sent his son to redeem us. And his son has crushed uh, sin, Satan and the grave and death is has the sting of death has been removed. And um, we are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And I, I think um, preaching the gospel to ourselves is a real important part of the grieving process that um, we will cry today and we will cry a lot more tomorrow, maybe, but we won't always cry. And uh, there will be a day coming that there'll be no tears left and uh, God will redeem what has been lost and we will um, um, have no more tears. And so I think for us to uh, have a hopeful look, um, I read um, Alistair Begg a few days ago and and he, he pointed out in in one of his his book on praying big, just uh, pointed us to to Ephesians chapter uh, two that we have been raised up with Christ. Um, you know uh, the the old song that says uh, you know ever everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die is a illustration of the fact that sometimes we lose perspective about. Um, where our home really is and what God has really done to redeem us. And so I think just preaching the gospel to ourselves in the midst of all that and not allowing our identity to be wrapped around our grief is really important. Daryl uh, Crouch and I are going to take a brief break. When we come back, we are going to, um, we're, well, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask Daryl to tell us Eric Reed's story, um, the Reed family story. And then we're going to talk about how we as Christians really need to, be reaching out, seeking some folks out this Christmas. And there's a particular category of of a grieving person in your community. And we're really going to send you out as ambassadors um, to those uh, church widowers. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Pastor Daryl Crouch. He's the pastor of the Green Hill Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, um, he blogs at crosstide.org. Um, Daryl, you and I both read um, a piece yesterday by Eric Reed, posted on his blog at ericreed.blog, um, and it's entitled Peace in the Sovereignty of God. Why don't, um, why don't you just tell people um, Eric's story? Yeah, Eric's a good friend and a great uh, partner in the gospel work here in our community and uh, the next town over. But um, and he's um, uh, just a great pastor and and a, and a great writer. But he um, he lost his 15 year old son just a week or two ago. Um, his son was born with um, a kidney that uh, had cysts all over it, and uh, so um, he was born 10 weeks uh, premature. Um, when he was two weeks old, they went in to do surgery, 
and mistakenly took out both kidneys. And so for uh, the last 15 years, Caleb really had a, a tough go of it. His uh, life, by Eric's testimony, was fairly normal, but about 11 of those 15 years. The last two years have been very difficult as he uh, contracted uh, meningitis a couple of years ago and uh, lost uh, a lot of mobility and, and um, ability to speak and so on, suffered respiratory disease and so on. And so they've just been through that journey, and um, and uh, Caleb passed just a couple of weeks ago. So we've been grieving with uh, Eric, but his um, his post yesterday was a reminder of, again, the sufficiency of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus, uh, and the truthfulness that God can be trusted even uh, when the worst thing happens. And so I think Eric's testimony is a reminder to us of, whether we've lost a loved one or we're experiencing other kinds of difficulty during this season or any other, that that at the end of the day, we really can trust God. God can be trusted even when the very worst things happen. Um, mm-hmm. There there may be no, no greater comfort than that truth. Um, but there's a lot of folks who question that truth. Um, you know that. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, invite people... Uh, invite people into the suffering of others during this season. Um, invite us as Christians to not be afraid of people in grief um, and to and to really reach out and walk out um, in this season in ways that draw people out of that uh, isolation and back into community where they can sort of receive the uh, the comfort of the of the fellowship of believers and where they might be in a place where they could hear the good news. Yeah, I appreciate that. I I think we have an incredible opportunity to minister to people, the light of the gospel that we celebrate. You know, we have Christmas lights for a reason. We, we believe that, that Jesus is the light of the world and that he crushes darkness. And so the hope that we have in him really is relevant to folks who are suffering at the deepest way during this season. And I think, um, I know I, I, I wrote a few weeks ago as well, but uh, in terms of Job's friends, Job's friends, Job who suffered deeply and lost so much, um, uh, one of the, I guess, the oldest books of the of the Bible is, is the book of Job. And uh, we're familiar with that story, But and Job's friends get, get a hard time. We give them a tough time because they, they did miss the mark eventually. But uh, early on, they, they did just show up. And I think there is something about showing up and not being afraid of people uh, in their time of grief. I, I think uh, perhaps sometimes our, um, uh, in, our, in our culture today, we've gotten really used to screens and phones and other means of communication, but there is something still powerful about the ministry of presence, whether that's sharing a cup of coffee uh, with someone or taking them to dinner or having them in your home uh, or spending time with them, at least reaching out to them to to do that, making those invitations. And the ministry of presence is still just very, very powerful. Um, we don't always have to say much. And I, I think sometimes we we fear that we have to say the right thing, or if we say the wrong thing, that'll really make uh, things worse. And that's just not true. I think we can sit quietly. Uh, Job's friends did for a week. They, they sat quietly for uh, a long time. And uh, just to listen, and we don't have to, to have advice or give counsel. By our presence, we can remind people that Jesus is sufficient. And then when we have opportunity, obviously we can speak the truth in love and, and remind them that God loves them and that Jesus has defeated sin, death, and the grave. Most of our friends that are followers of Christ 
uh, have a hopefulness about heaven, but the grief of loss sometimes clouds that out in, in those moments. And so I think our presence with them reminds them that they're not alone and that there is a future and there is a hope and that they'll get through this and that their, uh, their, their identity is not wrapped up again in their grief, but their identity is in Christ and he is holding them in the palm of their hand of his hand. And I, I think as we minister to them and serve them in ways that are practical and love them in ways that we know to love them, that um, um, God can do a great work and, and bear the light of the gospel in this in these dark, dark days. I also think it's important to, re, to just um, to follow up with that, Carmen, that uh, not everyone who is suffering has suffered uh, the, the death of a friend or family member. Some are suffering a, a cancer diagnosis that they're not sure what to do with or, or some other kind of deep suffering. And as you mentioned, they're all around us. Those folks are hurting and are all around us. And so we have a, a real opportunity to, to uh, minister to them with a, a smile in our presence and, um, and tangible service as we have opportunity. So, Daryl, I'm uh, I'm corresponding with a with a listener on our text line, who's asking, you know, how do I how do I trust God in the midst of my loss, um, when every day I wake up and simply wish that uh, I were in heaven, mm-hmm. and I'm, uh, you know, uh, the desire to be in heaven is a righteous desire, but life from beginning to end is really God's. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, and I think uh, I, I can empathize. I think all of us can have had moments or seasons that we have, that despair has, has kind of overtaken us. And I, I think as we come back to uh, leading our hearts rather than following our hearts, our hearts are, are deceptive and uh, can be twisted and, and molded in, in ways that are not helpful. Uh, I think we come back to the truth of God's Word. And uh, as Eric wrote uh, and quoted from Ephesians one uh, eleven that, uh, this is the God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And I think we can trust God in that. And Eric's saying that from a perspective of his his son was was put in a very compromised situation because of, of a mistake a doctor made or a group of doctors made. And so I think there's uh, always opportunity to, as Eric mentions, to what if and to question God and so on. Uh, at the again, at the end of the day, I think we have to c- continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. But I would tell your listener, and I would encourage your listener in this, that there are days that um, um, we believe, but we need help with our unbelief. There are dark days, and uh, sometimes the best thing we can do is hang on. And um, sometimes the best thing that we can do is just put the next step in front of us for today and trust God for tomorrow. And so in the darkest of nights, uh, we can trust him and um, we can hang in there. And then knowing that um, there is morning is coming, uh, his mercies are new uh, in the morning. And I, I, I think sometimes we feel like we have to have a victory today and we have to win the day. Um, that, that's not always the case. Sometimes we, we have to survive the day. We have to trust God with this mess of the day and know that there's a greater hope coming. Daryl, um, thank you so much for that. It reminds me of a friend of mine. Um, she's she's with the Lord now. Um, her name's Betty. And 
Uh, her son died um, when he was just a teenager, and her her grief was deep. Her faith was strong, but her her grief was deep, and it and it just seemed to endure for a very long mm-hmm. time. And one of the things that Betty would testify to was um, this that she got up in the dark every single day and and sat at a window facing the east because she just needed that confirmation that the sun was going to That's rise. Right. And she got That's up right. in the dark, and she got up in the dark, and she got up in the dark um, until her grief believed in the promise of God, um, that there's a resurrection hope. And so we do have to, I think, preach the gospel to ourselves um, in an ongoing way. And then as fellow believers, we have to come alongside those who are suffering in grief, uh, and we have to extend hope. Uh, And so thank you, uh, Daryl, so very much for joining us today. We look forward to talking with you again in the new year. You guys can find Daryl at crosstide.org. Um, Daryl, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Have a great trip to Israel. We, uh, we, we want to hear all about that when you come back. Yeah, that's actually a year from now, Carmen, but uh, oh, I appreciate whole that. Year from now. And right. I know we're, we're planning way ahead. And uh, we have to leave it. We're going to gonna, we're gonna have a hard out. Hey, guys, have a great day. God. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.